0: Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today I'm recording this from the site of the annual summer camp for business moguls, the Allen & Company Conference in Sun Valley, Idaho. My guest today is Stacy Bendett Eisner. Stacy is a star CEO in the fashion world as the force behind the Alice and Olivia brand that has grown so rapidly over the past two decades. As of last year, she's also a tech entrepreneur as the founder of Creatively, a professional online network designed to help connect freelancers in creative industries with employers. And Stacy and her husband, Eric Eisner, have been regulars at the Allen & Company gathering for years. With her love of bold colors and prints, she cuts quite a colorful figure here. But she also fits right in with the group of prominent CEOs that includes her father-in-law, former Walt Disney co-chief, Michael Eisner. As the titans of industry gathered, Bendet Eisner took a moment to sit down with me at Java on 4th, a coffee shop down the road from the conference, to talk about the heady environment in Sun Valley and her ambitious business goals. It's all coming up right after this break.
1: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever.
0: CEO and creative director of the retail brand, Alice and Olivia, and also the founder of Creatively, a very interesting new networking platform specifically for people in the creative industries, which we'll talk a lot about what's going on with Creatively in a little bit. But I wanted to start because we are in beautiful, booming downtown Ketchum, Idaho, uh, right down the road from the site of the Allen & Company annual business conference for business moguls, tech titans, captains of industry and politics. This is an annual event that brings a lot of influential people together for a retreat to talk about business, to talk about heady things going on in the world. And Stacey, you have been attending this for a number of years. Yes. What in your perspective is the value? What do you see as the value of getting all of these minds together in kind of close quarters, beautiful the sawtooth mountain yep. setting. What's What do you see? What is the kinetic energy that comes in that from this grouping?
3: Well, I've actually been coming here for 14 years. My first year here, I was pregnant with my daughter, Eloise, <laughs> um, which is so crazy to think about right now, or 13 years because she's turning 13. And I think that... You know, you bring all of these moguls who work so hard, who are so intense together in a setting that's all about family. It's almost like adult camp. Um, And it kind of relaxes everyone, but it also brings all of these amazing minds together and i think just great ideas sort of you know grow here um i think when you you know you never know who you're gonna you're gonna run into you never know who you're gonna meet um and you also end up having these really wonderful friendships that have been created during this week here every single year i mean there's so many people that when i walk in i'm just you know it's like this warmth like it feels like family and you're so excited to see but i think that um, it's sort of this very organic way to network, um, and I think so many sort of partnerships and investments, and you know, you hear about the big deals being made here, like the time my, you know, father-in-law made the deal between, uh, you know, uh, ABC and ESPN and Disney, and and you hear things like that, but there are so many smaller things that happen both in the world of philanthropy, both in you know, just ideas. Like I remember one year, like. Mark Zuckerberg met Cory Booker and decided to donate a hundred million dollars to like schools in Newark. Like th- those kind of things really happen here, and I think that's what's so beautiful about what the Allen Company has created.
0: It's it's interesting because of course we're coming off a year when in twenty twenty like like many other things the Allen & Company company conference couldn't happen so you had a year where you didn't have that mingling that the random factor of running into somebody around a corner in the beautiful alpine village setting of the of the Sun Valley Lodge did you did you feel the loss last year did you did you did you miss it when July uh, July 5th rolled around it's always the weekend after July 4th
3: I mean I think last year was so disrupted and there was something I think for like the creative side of my brain where I was kind of just happy working and like not having any socialization for a little bit i got kind of used to that and i think i was just so focused between alice and olivia and creatively that i wasn't really thinking about the things i was missing all year i was thinking more of the things i had to like fix and get done Um, you know for anyone in the retail world uh last year was disruptive and really tough and you had to you know work on every front to to make it through i sort of feel like a fashion survivor this year um, but, yeah, there was, I think coming here this year, there's this nostalgia and warmth and sort of excitement, almost like it's like back to camp or back to school, you know, the first day of school, where you're just sort of excited to kind of run into friends and socialize again. Um, you know, obviously, deals were made last year, but, um, you know, I think that there are kind of special deals that happen here.
0: Well, they certainly have had a—there's been quite a legacy of, of events and, like you said, those those random encounters. Yes what you have built Alice and Olivia is is one of the biggest sort of organic retail uh, fashion brands to come along in in a long time and you've expanded significantly in yes. the last couple of years your retail presence you have a big e-commerce business yep. has has you, has the experience of being here with so many CEOs and having some pretty well-known CEOs in your in your extended family. Has that been beneficial to you as you grew this business?
3: Yeah, I mean, i learn so much from people like my father-in-law, like watching him work, watching what he does in business. Like, you're, it's inspiring. And being here always kind of inspires me. Like, I'll come up with things that we need to do from even a technology perspective sometimes at Alice & Livia. I'll get ideas, hearing from, you know, CEOs what they're doing, um, it just makes your, you know, I think for me, like, a lot of the panels aren't about retail, but but I'll get ideas. It might be things that have to do with video or crypto or anything that just can apply to the the retail world. And um, yeah, I've been really proud of of the growth at Alice and Olivia and my team um, in the past, but this year was almost to the point of tears, right? Because watching the way my team came together and persevered and pivoted and pushed through a really difficult period um, was, was powerful. Was
0: it just? Was it? Did you have just a down, just a massive downturn as lockdown hit in you know yeah, the there spring was no of twenty twenty? I mean,
3: I have over forty retail stores. I sell in uh, like eight hundred other points of sale. So yeah, we have a strong e commerce business. But you know, we also have clothes that we make for women. Where we make clothes for women when they travel, when they go to work, when they're getting married, when they're you know going on a date. Like every single. Uh, you know end use of our clothing was disrupted um, right. and it, you know so we had to pivot to making a lot more casual clothing up until obviously 2021 but um, so it was, it was the entire year was just disrupted on all fronts plus you know we had stores that just couldn't even be open for a big portion of the year
0: Mm-hmm. As, as a lot of people have said, that the pandemic period tested every part of the organization. Yeah. What did you learn about the, the business of Alice well, and Olivia I, going through this? Yeah,
3: I think when you're going through really tough periods like that, you know what it does is it kind of shines a flashlight on every weakness right? It doesn't really, your strengths at that point don't matter as much as your weaknesses do. And, you know, as a business leader or founder or creative director, we had to kind of really look at those and figure out how to fix them at a time when it wasn't easy to fix things, right? Like, you know, you're you know, and we and our whole company had to be virtual, but what I was most proud of was that through really trying times, we made some really positive changes that needed to happen, I think, in the business overall. You know, we closed our sample room and took all the costs out of, you know, the business that were, you know, that were applicable there, and we moved all of our, you know, development and design overseas, and those were big changes, but had to be made. We had no choice. You know, our fittings had to be virtual, our pattern making had to be overseas, um, so it, it forced change but i think that looking back i just have so much pride in how my each one of my teams handled what they had to do to pivot to make it through 2020. um and we made some beautiful clothes during that period somehow too so
0: do you have a sense as you as you design clothes for the future do you have a sense that there has been a a significant kind of Cultural shift and what people are looking for. Are they looking for more casual clothes after 15 yeah. months in sweatpants? No,
3: I mean I think right now we've just seen this explosion in like p- women wanting to shop and wear dresses and dress up again. And yes, right. Like <laughs> I mean I'm a casual one today. I was trying to be all Sun Valley like, in jeans, but um, no, we've just seen like a it, you know like a huge uh, demand beyond what we expected for clothes to dress up and I think people are having weddings and having parties and having special events and there's like a big demand. Um, I think going forward what will probably change and again as a woman who's taken a lot of pride in having a company filled with women who have you know had babies and still worked I think there will be more flexibility in the workplace to accommodate people where they work like are they remote are they in an office if you're a writer like do you have to be there every day if you're a designer do you know you know being a little bit more flexible to accommodate people's needs um and for me like I've had designers who've worked remotely for years I've had a designer who's working down in South America another one in Paris and um I think that like we're I hope that what this virtual world that was created during 2020 allows us to do is accommodate Um, you know, opportunities for women in a way that they're allowed to balance their lives a little bit more.
0: So, I mean, definitely one of the learnings coming out of this has been, you know, what really matters and perspective. Yeah, and to
3: answer how that affects dressing, like, I think that when people are working from home, um, you know, they kind of want to do that, like, blazer and casual pant look, you know, like, I noticed that we're selling right now all these, like, wide leg pants but they have like kind of elastic easy waistbands you know so it's like people want to be they're used to being comfortable but they want to dress up again i I do think it's time to burn the sweatpants though for all the ladies listening to this it's just say goodbye
0: (laughs) generation ago it was burning bras now now Now, it's definitely the
3: sweatpants (laughs) what
0: um what um alice and olivia started with your search for the perfect pair of pants Mm -hmm. you've told that story many times yes what, as you as you kind of gradually built built this brand, what in the early days, what what was the important catalyst? what What put Alice and Olivia over the top and allowed you to open so many boutiques and have yeah, retail relationships? Well,
3: I think that our brand was always about kind of democratizing fashion a little bit for women, right? Our brand was about not like one whole look. It was about items and it still is that allow women to express their own self. And I always think about fashion as, each woman's art each day. It's how you express yourself. It's how you show to the world who you are. By you know, it's your it's your sartorial art. Um, and when I started, you know, I didn't start saying, "Oh, I'm going to build a global empire and I'm going to build full collections." I literally started because I was like, "I want to make really cool pants." And at the time, if you want a little fashion history, <laughs> you know, you had like the denim world, like the earls and sevens of the world, and then you had like, designer, and then you had, like, real street, you know, like, kind of more like H&ME kind of stuff, or Zara, or whatever, you didn't have contemporary, and theory really kicked off what is now known as the contemporary world of fashion, which is where you find fashion, and you find, you know, designer-made clothing, but at a price point that's not like a $10,000 gown. Um, And so I think where we came in at that time, unknowingly, you know, was sort of that, we were entering that itemized contemporary market. And in the beginning, contemporary was like kind of theory pants and suits, James Purse t-shirts and jeans. And we came in and started making dresses and beautiful blouses and things that were fancy to kind of pair back to all those items that the big guys were making. And from that we really grew, and you know I still think of the sensibility of Alice and Olivia the same way, as making these beautiful items that every woman who tries it on can wear in her own way. You know, so you might wear a dress with a pair of heels, and another girl's putting it on with a pair of sneakers. Um, you know, my mom might wear our blazer back to her skinny jeans, and I might wear the blazer back to a ball gown skirt. You know, and we've managed to sort of, I hope. Create clothes that allow women to express themselves with color, with print, and you know their own, and, and to really like sort of bring out their personality. I mean, that's what that's what I love doing.
0: Uh, I I so love your use of bold color. It it <laughs> it, it, it in and of yeah. itself makes a makes a bold statement for sure. Um, let's talk about creatively. Yes. You took the leap and launched a. New kind of social network professional networking service yep. for people in the creative community, and you launched it during the in the teeth of the pandemic. what What was it about that time that made you feel like it was the right time to unveil creatively?
3: So I felt that over the last several years, when I was hiring people at Alice and Olivia, it was really difficult to hire creative people. And the only way you really you know, looked at resumes or found people was on LinkedIn. And I'm like, A, most creative people aren't on LinkedIn. And B, LinkedIn is an amazing tool if you're hiring like a salesperson or an accountant. But when you're hiring a creative person, you need to see their world. I feel weird going and like stalking someone's Instagram, looking at their kids when I'm like trying to interview them, but you need to see their visual world, right? So you get a white piece of resume for someone who's making things in 3D for you and it just doesn't equate. And, you know, you can interview them or whatever, but, you know, you'd have to have three hours of, you know, having them do projects, having them put together a portfolio. And I just kind of one day said there needs to be this professional network and job platform that is is built for the creative world. That is a portfolio-driven tool that allows creatives to share their work in the most powerful way. And I like to describe it as almost the most beautiful free art gallery for the creative. Which is basically a way to facilitate creatives showing their work, um, and it is not a place for creatives to share pictures, pictures of their children or what cocktail they're having, <laughs> right. or you know their political stance on you know A, B, and C. It is truly just a safe place for creatives to share their work, show their work, collaborate on their work, and to find work. So it is a job platform. It is a um, you know it is a professional network. And what's been really exciting is, you know, the response we've had from creatives that are so excited to have this tool, but also from brands who are now using it. We have over a thousand brands and companies using the platform, not just in fashion, in all industries, to find creative talent and hire creative talent.
0: We'll take a break here and be back with more from Allison Olivia and Creatively founder, Stacy Bendet Eisner.
2: your perfect home sweet home.
0: Tell me, what's the business model behind Um, it?
3: We charge companies. We don't charge the creative. The platform is totally free for creatives. We charge companies. um, We have different service levels where companies can use to... um, They can actually use creatively to set up projects. So they can hire... They're going to be able to hire creatives directly, but they can also post jobs. Um Just like they would on something like a, a LinkedIn or another professional network, so that's our our model is similar to that, but we do not charge the creative. we only charge brands to use creatively um, to to hire a you know mobile global creative workforce freelance and and full time that's the other difference it's like there wasn't really a we we kind of fill this niche for creatives where we have a job most people don't post a job like listing for something freelance it's just for full time whereas on creatively companies are encouraged to post both
0: we're going to need somebody for 6 months yes, on this specific or project for 2 days
3: here in mexico and if you have a specialty a, yeah, a on this kind of graphics exactly. so
0: much the better and you can search by
3: location you can search by category mm-hmm. How have
0: you gotten this company on its feet? Have you funded it yourself? Did you go raise money?
3: So in the beginning, I funded it myself um, with my partner, whose name is Reagan Silber. Um, and then since then, we've done uh, a little bit of, of fundraising. Um, my father-in-law is an investor. Sherry Redstone's company is an investor. Uh, we have Tree as an investor. So we've, we've got some great minds and uh, you know advisors behind us. Um, and you know, we we just started building it about two years ago, and then we launched it a little bit earlier than expected. But last you know May, in the midst of the pandemic, all these students were graduating from schools. They didn't have jobs. They didn't have a way to network. Um, and so, upon meeting with some of the schools, specifically through the CFDA and the fashion industry. Um, We just launched it a little bit earlier than we thought, but we're able to allow all these students to put their portfolios places and apply for jobs like you can apply for jobs right through creatively. And we post hundreds, if not thousands of job listings a week.
0: How did you get the word out? at the beginning?
3: So we launched it with, you know, press. I promoted it on social. I had a lot of friends who promoted it. Um, You know, we have a, you know, Instagram account for Creatively, which we used. um, And, you know, we've just gotten a lot of, you know, of, of press because I think it's truly something that just hasn't existed in the world. You know, our job is really to facilitate jobs for creatives and to make it easier for companies to to find and hire creatives. And our next venture, which we're launching this week, um, you know, is is our next step, Creatively Pay. And Creatively Pay is what I think a big game changer um, in the world of hiring creatives and a big game changer for creatives because what we're doing is eliminating what I think is one of the biggest pain points for creatives, which is uh, getting paid. (laughs) The long
0: wait between invoice and being an accounts payable, sending that check. (laughs)
3: Creatively pay will be the fastest way for creatives to get paid for their work. They can get paid the same day for their work. And not only that, but what creatively pay will... um, we're announcing it this week, but in the fall when we launch it, there will be ways for you to very easily invoice, to schedule your jobs. We wanna make life easier for creatives so they can be creative. I felt so lucky in my career to have you know a sort of infrastructure around me and a and a and almost like a platform beneath me to you know handle a lot of like logistics and a lot of things on the business side of my company so that I could be free to let my brain be creative and i want to help other creatives have that and i think this is a big part of it i mean i hear from friends that i work with you know they're a photographer they're a videographer they're a hair person a makeup person and sometimes they're waiting 3 months to get paid so, what we are doing is announcing a partnership with Orem, um, and we are the interim financing so that when you use Creatively Pay, you are paid the same day. And Orem is the liquidity so that companies can still have their 30 day terms or whatever they need, um, but the creative does not have to wait all of that time to receive a check for the work that they've completed
0: and does the company do the the companies that partner with Creatively to do this do they have to pay an extra
3: fee for that service how, how no, are you going to No they monetize? have to be verified but for the first like several months or a year um, there, there is no fee, and we will never charge the creatives for this because that's the other issue. A lot of times, creatives are getting chunks taken out of their paycheck from agents and managers, which is okay if that's a, if they're providing a service. But a lot of times, like they're having you know money taken out for other things when they're trying to get even paid on time. So we want to make things as. Positive and productive for the creative as possible. Um, you know, Orem will be will verify all of the brands that we're working with. But if a creative says to a company, "I want to get paid through Creatively Pay," it's very easy for the company to get set up to pay them through that, mm-hmm. and it's of no it's of no pain to the to the brand either.
0: Well, as somebody who's been on the phone with freelancers d- desperately waiting by the waiting by the mailbox for that all important check, I I can imagine yes. that there will be some interest in in this service. I would imagine though that there is some risk for you in this in the sense that not every Invoices paid in full. H- right. How are you going to mitigate against the, well, de- you know, the deal that falls through the job that gets paid a, a kill yeah. fee or a half fee?
3: So there, I mean, listen, there are going to be some things that are worked out over the next several months t- until when we launch this in the fall. But creatively is not, creatively is the facilitator of this. Like we're the platform and we are the um You know, the kind of invoicing and payment front end, whereas Orem is the finance, they're like the bank, but Orem is this amazing, you know, new company that is changing the way that money moves around. So there's also no, the other fee that um, creatives, not fee, but the uh, lag time creatives have is sometimes it takes five days for the bank to clear your payment too. So Orem's technology allows for there to be. Uh, zero time for your money to clear through the bank and it's providing the interim liquidity between the company and the creative. Um, I mean, it's the, it's their responsibility to uh, verify the brands that are working with the creatives. Mm-hmm. So it's not like if a photographer does a job for a birthday party and it's an individual, like, we're not getting in that game. It's about verified brands on Creatively that can use Creatively Pay with creatives. That
0: would do that yes. kind of business at yes. scale.
3: What's it been like for you launching
0: this kind of very IP-based business versus Alice and Olivia, a very hard goods, yeah. you know, making shirts and making skirts yep. kind yeah. of business? I know,
3: it's funny, exactly. Like, my... My uh, my main job is so tangible, right? <laughs> like it's touch, it's feel, it's you know, wh- like, and this is all kind of a little bit more, um, you know, in the ethos, right? So. Um, it's been really exciting for me to work on a startup again. Right. And, but I think like, I, I'm a sort of natural entrepreneur where even if you look at Alice and Olivia over the years, we've done so many entrepreneurial things, even though as a company, we're almost 20 years old, like every year we're doing something new, you know, we launched this, we did this collaboration. So there's a lot of kind of like startup energy in Alice and Olivia still. But the difference is that I think with creatively, um, you know, the whole company's virtual. I'm working with all these cool tech guys, you know, and, and it's so different than my, my life at Alice and Olivia that's filled with women and fabric and color and things <laughs> with touch and fittings. And it's, I mean, it could not be more opposite, but it's still really creative.
0: Um, that last startup of yours, Allison Olivia, in 2015, you told uh, a fashion magazine that it had grown to be a $200 million business. You have expanded significantly since then. Can you yeah. give us the ballpark of what the business is I don't today? I really do give
3: numbers out, and we definitely like, cut back a lot in 2020. But for this year, probably around like $250 million. Um, and, you know, I think the resizing that sort of happened in 2020 was... This, I kind of I always try to look at things as like the glasses half full and it allowed us to like kind of just tighten things up in a way and change things without judgment, right? Like every year it was like you had to grow, you had to grow, you had to be up, you know, 10% or this. And in 2020 it was just kind of like, no, we've gotta fix things and we've gotta make things more efficient and you know, we've taken that time, too, to be able to, like, make the company more eco. Like, our fabrics, our waste, our, you know, just everything became less about this, you know, over, I think the, the retail world for many years was about, like, grow, 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 and you were kind of living in that growth versus living in profit. And I, and I think that last year what we did was slim things down to actually become more profitable, which was sort of nice. So, um, you know, we're not... You know, we're probably, what, like 20% bigger than we were, but we are way more efficient, so.
0: And are, are you and your partner, Andrew Rosen, are you still the principal owners of the business? We are,
3: and he's amazing. I mean, I feel like... Um, I'm so lucky. I mean, I, I my Creatively team I love. I've picked good work partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andrew's been my partner for almost 20 years. That's a good
0: skill of a CEO.
3: Right? He's, I mean, like, I mean, through the pandemic, I can't tell you what... I could, like, actually, like, cry thinking about it because there were some really tough times. But he was the most incredible support as a like a friend, as like a big brother and as a partner and he really helped us get through I mean it was complicated getting through all the financial, you know, sort of runaround of, you know, loans and, and you know, all everything. It was crazy the PPE loans. Um, he's an amazing not just retailer and entrepreneur but he's an incredible friend so I feel really lucky to have that and my creative lead team too like my CEO Greg Gittrich amazing guy my chief product officer amazing so I I'm surrounded by by some good good business partners business business husbands business wives
0: <laughs> Stacey you have no shortage of drive and ambition Thank and you. Uh, it's it's wonderful what do you think, one thing that I know is often talked about up here at Allen Company is that the, for all the progress, there's still... Relatively few of you, relatively few CEOs of really big, successful, I influential know. brands. And I know it's a tough question, but do you have any thoughts about what it will take to bring more women into the C-suite?
3: Well, I have a lot of thoughts on it, so we might have to do another interview. Um, but I think, listen, balancing work and children is not easy. And, you know, it, 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 is, it is not simple and it is not easy but companies need to create environments that allow for, you know, women to have a little bit of flexibility to succeed. And they also need, and I think women need to root for other women. You know, I think so often as a culture, when you know a woman is in the press the press is waiting to take her down and that is what needs to change you know we need to like be proud of women for being ambitious we need to be proud of women for being successful and we need to you know like we need to allow for it a little bit more and and i think that when you look around this conference yeah it's still mostly men and that does need to change, but we need to start that from the early years. You know, We need to encourage women to stay in the workforce through the first years of having kids. Because once you leave the workforce during that time, it is really hard to get back in it like an upper level. And I see it all the time because you, know, you have a baby, you're like, I'm gonna take a year or two off, then you have another baby, and then all of a sudden you're like, the world's moved really quickly during those years of babies. And the best advice I can give is, You know, and I can't even say that I did a great job of this because I was kind of always like, I'm going to do all of it. And, you know, women, women and men need to be collaborative in their parenting and caregiving efforts. Like there needs to be a standard that changes where it's not always the mom that has to run to school or always the mom that has to take the kid to the doctor or the mom that has to do this. It has to be collaborative parenting. And I think that's actually a really big part of women being able to Make it to the upper levels because women tend to take on all of the home duties and work, and then you know you're fried, you're tired, you're exhausted, and at some point you maybe give up or you know want to work part time or you know lose the ambition to get up here. Um, and and I think that you know that starts with kind of like societal training that parenting is parenting between man and man, man and woman, woman and woman, but it is two people that are responsible for that work and luckily i have a husband who like is a really present dad right but um, but that's one thing and then the other thing is that companies need to create environments that allow women to succeed You know, like, I don't expect women to be at dinners at 8 o'clock every night because I know they need to go home and they want to be with their kids for bedtime. You know, we're flexible, especially, like, I have a lot of women who, like, you know, as they became more senior executives in my company, like, we have a tremendous amount of flexibility to allow them to kind of, you know, be a little more virtual. And I hope that this year encourages companies to see that and allow for that, too. Sorry I'm rambling, but I could go on about this for a very long time.
0: I can tell, and I was just thinking that if ever there has been a there, there's been a period for learning about what you know what requires a person to physically be in an office versus you know yeah. what what you can do in in a situation that gives you more flexibility when you have uh, rugrats running around.
3: And yeah, it's I mean, listen, and I and I always preface these conversations with. I know that I was privileged and lucky to have a lot of help when my kids were little. I will say that the hardest years are when your kids are like one, two, and three, once they're in school a full day, you can create this balance where, you know, you sort of drop them off at school, you go to work, they maybe have an activity, everyone's home, right? And, you know, I really have always tried to to reiterate the fact at Alice and Olivia that if you were at your desk past like six or seven at night, like you're not managing your time well. Because we don't, you know, as a company we really try to we we want women to have a balanced life. That is so important to me as a woman and it's important to me to nurture and really facilitate for the women who work for me. But um but the hardest years are when your kids are little. Although I will say that as your kids get bigger, you have bigger problems. But um
0: <laughs> the band-aid won't fix everything yeah, after a ba- while. <laughs> yeah,
3: that neosporin doesn't like fix every every boo-boo. But um but you know it's it's but companies have to you know, just as they're making efforts in terms of diversity and inclusion, they also have to be continuously making efforts to, you know, make sure that they have more women involved and not just like a, oh, I put a woman on my board. Like, you need women involved in your company in, you know, those C-level positions. Even in the fashion industry today, when they did a report a couple years ago, um, it was like there was only like, I I can't remember the exact percentage, but the percentage of women in C-suites in fashion was like only 20% or 30%.
0: When we look around, we see so many great examples like yourself of of women thriving, and yet the numbers are just stubbornly low.
3: It's going to take time because you can't just pop women into the C-suite, right? You have to bring them up. And so that, you know, women need to be mentored, women need to be encouraged, women need to be inspired to stay in the workforce and it's going to take, you know, five or 10 years to start to see that all really change. I do think the effort's being made and I do think we will start to see it, but you can't just all of a sudden have like all women in the C-suite because you don't have them down, you know, at the mid-level.
0: You've got to absolutely have the foundation yes. to succeed. Yes.
3: Absolutely. Well, Stacey, my goodness,
0: thank you so much for taking time out from this very heady event to share your thoughts with us. And congratulations on the success of Alice and Olivia. And look forward to seeing Creatively grow
3: in the coming years. Yes, and everyone needs to check out Creatively Pay.
0: <laughs> really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.